Hey everyone, I'm Chris Hall and this is the Downtime Podcast, where we're going to be taking you deeper than ever into the gravity-based side of mountain biking. First up, this week's supporting partners, Canyon and We Are One Composites, have got some great offers for you. Spring is starting to feel like it's just around the corner, and if you're after a fresh rig for the upcoming season of riding, then go and check out the trail sale on canyon.com. There's discounts across a load of Canyon's mountain bike and e-mountain bike range, and what's even better is that downtime listeners can save more. You can get free bike guard packaging on your trail sale purchase. Just use the code the-trail-sale-2023 at the checkout. That's the-trail-sale-2023, all lowercase, over at canyon.com. Terms and conditions apply, and you'll find those in the show notes for this episode over on downtimepodcast.com. I'm a massive fan of We Are One's wheels, and in the last week, I've had the chance to put in a couple of rides on their new Convergence wheels, and they definitely did not disappoint. Taking We Are One's incredible durability and ride feel from their Revolution wheels and turning it up to 11. As ever, quality is second to none too, so you know you're going to get a product that's not only going to ride amazingly well, but it's going to last a long time too. Whether you're interested in their brand new Convergence wheels, their still very awesome Revolution wheels, or their depackaged bar and stem, Downtime listeners can get a very generous 15% off by using the code DOWNTIMEFEBRUARY2023 at the checkout over at weareonecomposites.com before the 5th of March 2023. That's Downtime with a capital D, February with a capital F, followed by the number 2023 over at weareonecomposites.com. Don't forget the code must be entered at the very final stage of the checkout process on the confirm order page in order for it to work. Before we get stuck into this week's episode, here's a few things you can do to help support the show. Downtime t-shirts, sweatshirts and hoodies are available over at downtimepodcast.com forward slash shop. Fancy some non-digital downtime? Well, for just £20 a year, you can subscribe to our biannual printed mountain bike journal, Downtime EP. Made in collaboration with the awesome team over at Misspent Summers, Downtime EP takes the topics and themes from the podcast and brings them into a stunning print format featuring mountain biking's most talented writers and photographers. You can subscribe to get your very own copies of these beautiful pieces of print over at downtimepodcast.com forward slash EP. If you want a little more downtime in your life, then you can join my newsletter where I'll provide you with a bit of behind the scenes info on the podcast, interesting bits and pieces from around the mountain bike world and some mini reviews of products I've been using and like, along with partner offers and more. You can do that over at downtimepodcast.com forward slash newsletter. Otherwise, don't forget to follow the podcast to make sure you never miss an episode. You can do that by hitting the button in your podcast app now or there's buttons for all the major platforms over at downtimepodcast.com forward slash follow. If you've done all that, the last thing I'd like you to do is to give us a follow on Instagram and Facebook where we're at Downtime Podcast. All the links for all of that are in the show notes for this episode over on downtimepodcast.com. All right, this week I'm joined by one of 2022's breakthrough riders, Jack Menzies. In his first season in Elite, Jack piloted his We Are One arrival to some incredible EWS results with two top tens and a fourth place pro stage finish. Hear about Jack's sporty upbringing and how he's been putting in the work to get the results he wants. We talk about the ups and downs of racing and the challenges of finding the right headspace when the clock is ticking. There's lots to learn from a rider who's definitely on the rise. So without further ado, here's Jack Menzies. Jack Menzies, welcome to the Downtime Podcast. How's things with you? Yeah, thanks for having me. Uh, I'm in Squamish right now and it's pretty sweet, just stuck into training and getting ready for the, the season that's coming up pretty quick. Exciting stuff and we'll, we'll definitely chat a bit about that. But let's uh, it's your first time on the podcast. Let's wind the clock back and get into those early days and tell us a little bit about growing up and getting into bikes because was it BMX first for you? 
Uh, yeah, so I grew up kind of in Alberta, which is like central, more central Canada. Um, and it's pretty flat there. So uh, grew up doing some BMX and stuff and then did a lot of like cross-country skiing and other sports as well. But mountain biking was the, the one that kind of stuck after racing some cross-country. So it was a uh, BMX cross country enduro for me. Interesting. How, uh, how deep did you get into the BMX side of things? Uh, we had to drive quite a while when I was young, we didn't have like a local BMX track. So we drove probably like 45 minutes each way to the BMX track to go and race a couple nights a week. But, uh, I didn't do it for too many years, maybe till grade five or six and then transitioned more into cross country and kind of got pretty stuck into that and you've got brothers is that right yeah i have uh two younger brothers that are twins uh one of them competes on the snowboard world cup and the other one's a, a half pipe skier <laughs> so you've got a pretty sporty uh family at a pretty high level yeah 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 they're pretty it's pretty crazy family dynamic sometimes interesting how how has that come about then like were your parents just super into getting you out into the outdoors doing all that sort of stuff yeah so we kind of we kind of joke about it a little bit that we never had like vacations growing up we had training camps <laughs> um and so our kind of second home every spring was moab utah where we'd go down and ride bikes there and my parents grew up uh they were ultra marathon runners so they're already a little psycho but they just kind of brought us along with them and just put us in the hurt locker every time we went we went somewhere for a, a vacation. Amazing. So was fitness like a natural part of your life growing up then? If if you've got ultra marathon runners for parents and sporty brothers, was was fitness like just a given? You were gonna get out there and pushed and doing stuff all the time? Oh yeah, for sure. My mom's a phys ed teacher. Um so yeah, it was fitness was a big, big part of it. And everyone in my family's kind of definitely got some ADHD going on. So it was, it was sports to kind of keep us going and kick us out of the house. So we weren't bugging everyone. Amazing. And, um, so mountain biking comes along and it's more the cross country side of things. Was this, were you still in Alberta at that point? Like what was the scene like? Yeah. So I was in Alberta till uh, I graduated high school and the scene was pretty sweet yeah like there was definitely no no big terrain for like to really train for enduros and and do that stuff kind of locally so um yeah it was i was really hoping to to make it to in cross country and that was kind of the the dream at the time and then found enduro and that was instant love like i've always that kid that was on a cross country bike just kind of hucking his meat around and then enduro is the the spot for me i guess amazing how did you discover enduro then uh way back i think like 2015 maybe they had a kr kootenai rockies enduro series that kind of came around close to alberta and some stop like in one of the places in alberta and then uh i was like oh yeah like i've seen this i really wanted to try this and some people in the community have already raced a couple and i was pretty keen to to get into that and yeah as soon as i did the first race i was like this is so much better than cross country this is so much more fun this is what i want to do awesome were there results there like straight away were you naturally fast in that kind of environment uh i think it was pretty pretty natural just 
because I was I was training pretty hard for cross country uh, at a young age, and then so I kind of kind of was I think I was a bit fitter than a lot of people that were racing, and uh, yeah, I had some I had some good results kind of that that first year, and that definitely helped me fall fall in love with it. Good stuff. So, how does the move to Squamish fit into all of this then? Uh, well, out of out of high school, my parents were like, "You got to go to school, or you got you got to do something." And I was not a school kid; um, just didn't didn't really work for me. So uh, I went down, and I I lived in New Zealand for a couple of months, right out of high school, like kicked out of the house, go down, figure out figure out your stuff in New Zealand. Uh, I lived in Queenstown with some of the boys down there. And then, uh, yeah, Squamish is just kind of the place to be. Uh, my coach is here. There's a great training group here. And I think this is where you have to be kind of in Canada if you want to really pursue enduro riding. Yeah, that it's, uh, definitely seems to be the home of quite a few fast riders. There's quite a crew of you there, right? Yeah, there's a sweet, sweet crew of us here. And all the, all the Groms coming up out of Squamish and kind of coming to Squamish to train, it's, it's unreal. Like the future of Canadian cycling looks pretty, pretty cool. Yeah, I was going to ask you a bit about that. The Canadian scene, both in downhill and enduro, is insanely good right now. Like, what what do you think has driven Canadian cycling to be so good at the moment? Um, I think a lot of it is kind of the growing up with like that Steve Smith legacy. Like, even if you weren't in downhill, you're like, damn, like there's this Canadian dude and he's absolutely killing it. And then as it kind of went on, you see like people like Finn and Jesse and more Canadians kind of doing it. And you're like, oh, wow, this is like really possible. And people are kind of doing it. And it's people that I've like run into and talked to. And like, yeah, like it's kind of like the you can see it and you can talk to those people. And then you're like, oh, this is it's not just kind of a way out thing. It's it's actually here and it's happening. Yeah, there's a lot, uh, a lot in Stevie's legacy. Hey, that's driving all that stuff forward. It's super cool to see so you've, you've made this move to squamish you're getting into the enduro side of things but it's a long way to go from like your first race to deciding that you're going to go and do some ews talk us through a little bit like how you progressed through the sport because you've made your way up to racing at the highest level like pretty quickly yeah um so in 2019 i believe it was my my year to kind of really pursue cross country. And that was the, the make or break year for me with world champs in my last year as a junior rider. Um, and so I was really, really trying to focus on that. And at the same time, race a couple of enduros just to, to have fun and keep the love for the sport. And, um, yeah, I finished my cross country season and I didn't make the, the world champs for, for cross country. And then there was the Enduro and Whistler, which I had planned on doing the entire time, but didn't really train for. And then, uh, yeah, I went out and I won that EWS as a, as a Jew or as a U21. Um, and it was kind of like, Whoa, that was, that was pretty cool and wild. And, uh, my coach at the time was like, yeah, we should, we should kind of move in this direction. I think like, this is this is the spot so that was kind of the the uh thing for that and then struggled for with injuries for a few years and but uh yeah and then really just trying to make the push and get up there amazing so yeah you followed up that 2019 whistler win by going to north star right was that part of the plan or did that come off the back of doing so well in whistler uh 
that was kind of like on the table, but was not really decided. Um, and then I did, I did end up going to North Star and that was an eye opener for sure. Holy, that was the dustiest place I think I've ever ridden in my life. It was wild, but yeah, that was, uh, it definitely helped with the, the Whistler win. Cause my parents were like, Oh yeah, like sweet. We should, we should let him do some more of this and try and support it as much as we can. Yeah, what level of support did you have for Endura at that point then? Because it's not not the cheapest of sports. I guess if you're still doing it in the North America, that makes it a bit easier. But were you getting anything out of brands or teams at that point? Yeah, so I had like a little little local team that my my coach Joel Harwood ran. Uh, he runs like a blueprint athlete development team at, at the time is what he called it. Um, and so we had kind of a local local sponsor with Norco and a couple other brands that were that were helping us out. Um, and that was like a lot of, a lot of gear based stuff and helped us kind of keep, keep us running throughout the year. But that was, that was the main, the main sponsor for me at the time. Awesome. So you, you had that, that, uh, Whistler result, that win, then 10th in North star from there. Was it like, right. Okay. We're going all in. I'm going to go and do this like full EWS series for next year. And if so, like, how did you go about, putting that together obviously plans got a bit changed with covid but like what were you aiming to get done in 2020 yeah so it was after after north star that it was like okay like let's let's prepare for a full season like my last year as a u21 like let's see what we can kind of pull out of the bag here uh, or no i had two more years actually i think yeah two more years after that um so i think 2020 was supposed to be like the chile and colombia year um so i went down to new zealand to kind of like do a double summer and train down there and then covid really impacted that which sucked and then uh but yeah came back and was with the da vinci development team uh and got to go to a couple of races that year i believe um then it was just kind of little like a learning experience first time ever in europe first time with a little bit of a team support um but yeah just a big learning experience for there where i wasn't like 100 percent dialed into the racing it was just kind of figuring out europe and traveling on my own with covid restrictions and taking trains and buses everywhere by myself with a bike bag it was it was a lot but it was it was good fun good learning experience yeah what sort of support did you get then from the da vinci squad like i'm not familiar with that team what do they help out with yeah so i think that that team's kind of become less of an official development team uh and more just kind of supporting people um but yeah i had a little bit of a travel budget from them i had a bike um and a place to stay at a couple of the a couple of the events um and that was yeah that was super sweet to get my foot in the door and i really appreciate it appreciate phil and bass and those guys for helping me out nice so i think you took a 19th in zermatt 14th in pietra and 11th in finale how did you feel about that because they're a way away from that win in whistler but like you say a lot of other stuff going on that makes life uh, more challenging when you're learning how the ropes work in europe and and dealing with all the covid stuff yeah um i was not very happy with that year to be honest like i'm i'm a pretty competitive guy and seeing seeing those results i was banging my head against the wall for sure but that being said like 
my my parents are very supportive and kind of the the big thing is it was it was a learning experience and and talking to people that I know that have gone over to Europe before it's it's definitely a big change of scenery and change of riding style and um just like it's just a big switch up from everything that we have in North America so getting used to that kind of stuff was was an eye opener and now that I can like look back on it like it was yeah it was it was something else for sure but I'm glad that I I had those results and didn't wasn't just like super successful right away because you'd need to have that kind of drive I think to to really set you forward and keep you motivated yeah for sure and you definitely like must have still been turning some heads because coming into 2021 your final year in under under 21s and you got picked up uh by the forbidden team how did that come together yeah so a good a good buddy it was kind of it was kind of scrambled to be honest like just fell into it um a buddy of mine reese Werner, who's on the team i went ski touring with him uh in whistler and we were chatting about teams and he was like oh what do you have for next year blah 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 and he's like oh like you should reach out to steph so like we got to the top and i got a got some service on my phone and the first thing i did was like i texted this dude stefan from forbidden and i was like hey man like i heard that there's this thing going on like just want to pick your brain about it and uh yeah that was that was a pretty cool experience like that was the first like real real factory kind of supported team that that i've been on and uh it was me reese and dust uh, me reese and then Magnus was there as well, and it was, at, and then Thomas Doyle, the team manager. It was a, it was a sweet program. It was loose for the first year, but it was it was super fun. Yeah, awesome. Did you have an injury at the start of that twenty one season? You missed a couple of the first rounds of the series. Yeah, so that was kind of the the bad the bad year for me. So right after signing with those guys, I went and uh, kind of. I mangled myself pretty good in the in the pump track here in Squamish, just trying a stupid gap that I shouldn't have tried, and uh, I like shattered my right wrist and broke my left elbow, and so I went in to get surgery for for my wrist and got a bunch of plates and pins put into my wrist, and then that was good and kind of came back after that injury. And it was going to be right, right on track to hit the first EWS uh, running, and got the plates and stuff all pulled out of my, pulled out of my wrist. So two surgeries in, ready to go for EWS. Went back to the the jump park there, and just on my dirt jumper, and uh, nose case to jump, went over the bars to the flat, and broke my wrist again. Uh, same wrist, like oh, same injury went uh went into vancouver down the road to get surgery and that was kind of written off the first first part of the season for me it was it was not a good good spot yeah not a good start hey eh? did that make the start of the season when you did get racing more challenging for you because i think luden va was the first round that you got to uh it made it challenging but i knew i was riding well and riding pretty quick uh it was just kind of managing that i can't really afford to fall on my my wrist again so i had had a wrist brace i kept all the metal in my wrist at that time and then um just having like reese and thomas they were traveling with me and our mechanic it was it was just a super great vibe and i'm kind of a stressed out guy when it comes to racing like i'll wake up in the morning and i'm like 
little jittery, like kind of pacing. Um, but that was like, those guys were like, what are you doing, man? Like we're at a bike race, just have fun. So I was like, oh yeah, like you guys are right. And I looked up to all those guys quite a bit. So it was like throughout the, throughout those couple of races, that was like when I did a lot of, a lot of self growth and yeah, learned, learned a lot. And it was just like, you know what, no pressure coming into that season because I already had like two pretty massive injuries and I was just like, I just want to ride my bike and have fun and figure it out. So yeah, it, it seemed to work out. Yeah. How did you stay fit enough to come into the season uh, ready to go working through two wrist injuries? Like what were you doing to to stay on top of it? Oh, it was, it was a grind for sure. It was pretty brutal. Um, I went back to Alberta to kind of go and spend some time with my, with my family and my parents. And I, I was like, okay, I cannot be inside this house. Like I'm going to lose my shit. Sorry. Um, and, uh, I know the surgeon quite well, like everything, it Cam was a small town and like everyone knows everyone. And so I had like two arms, both in slings and I went and I grabbed my cross country skis and I just went for a cross country ski with no poles. I was skate skiing and I just did that for like two hours and I came back to the car and saw my surgeon and it was just like, what are you doing, man? And so I was a lot of cross country skiing with no, no arms and being on the spin bike when I could kind of in like a, a try, like a, with like your arms extended and like resting on your elbows when my elbow got better. It was, it was, it was a weird there's some weird training for sure. <laughs> you made it through. And that season turned out pretty well in the end, right? You got uh, two second places towards the end in Finale and in Lethen. What do you think yeah, had yeah. gone on to enable that? Like, sounds like maybe you'd got into a better a better headspace with stuff. I, I think that it was 100% mental. Like, it was... Like, my riding ability, I always was thought it was... Or I knew after Whistler that it was pretty pretty high and I could compete. Um, but I struggled a lot mentally just being stressed out with that kind of stuff. So having Reese and Thomas there was in our mechanic, it was just, it was more of just like a go out and have fun, race your bike as fast as you can. And that's, that's what I did. I just went out and had fun and was popping wheelies kind of in the transitions through the pits doing skids, like just being a, being a Grom and yeah, just had a blast. And that was like the biggest, yeah, this is super fun. Yeah. Yeah. I've seen you say you've got like a tendency to get sucked into worrying about things you can't control. Is that fair? Yeah. hundred percent. Like I, that year was, I was, I was stressed out. I was so stressed out about a bunch of, bunch of things I couldn't control. And I worked with the sports psychologist. My mom, my mom made me after a couple of phone calls with her being like, this is not good. I'm not in a great headspace. She's like, Hey, you need to go here and you need to work with a sports psych like you can't be just complaining to me about this and we need to figure it out so i worked with the sports psych for a couple of sessions um and then yeah that kind of brought me back a lot of times where i could like reflect on what i was thinking about when i was not stoked and then put that into practice throughout that year where i was like the motto is just have fun and fun is fast so that's that was what i was kind of living by at the time 
Yeah. Have you found like tools or techniques then with the sports psychologist that help you? First off, I guess the challenge is to recognize that you're stressing about stuff you can't control. And then the second element is to like be able to let go of it. Have you found things that work for you? Like how do you draw yourself out of that headspace? Because it's it's probably a pretty natural thing for people to get sucked into you. Yeah, it was honestly, I think the biggest thing that I took out of it was uh, we like reflected back on my injuries and kind of why that happened and what brought those on. And then it was, hey, like, what was the common factor here? And for me, it was, I was tired. I did a big day of training. I went to the pump track or I went to the jumps to have some fun and kind of got into like a little bit of a competition with my buddies and shut my brain off and was like, yeah, like kind of like watch this, check this out. Like, and, uh, so like just, yeah, like being able to like take yourself out of that moment and being like, no, I'm tired. I'm here to cruise. I'm here to have some fun. Like I'm not trying anything. I'm not in the right headspace to try anything and just kind of taking yourself out of the moment to kind of like look at it from a different perspective and look at it kind of outside instead of that. Like, yeah, yeah. Like let's do this. Come on. Kind of mindset. Okay. Interesting. Do you find that easy to apply when it comes around to a race? Like I can see it being a little bit easier to do that on a Tuesday night at the pump track and a bit harder to do it when it's like the big day at an EWS to be able to, to like step away from it a little bit and see the perspective. Yeah. Like, I think it's uh, it definitely is easier to do it at the pump track. And I did like, I worked on it a lot. Like we do a lot of team training kind of with our coach and with a bunch of athletes uh, in the sea to sky. And so that was, I worked on it a lot kind of just in myself with training. Like if I, if we were dropping into a little rut track or something, I would like check in at the top, like, okay, if this is like a race run, this is what I'm going to do. Here's like my little kind of start gate thing. Um, and just kind of trying to like make everything apply to a race and like a little bit more realistic. So I didn't get stressed out when I was in that start gate at the race. Um, and yeah, just like kind of, I don't know what the word is, but like just like making everything more, more race, like race focused. So I didn't, it was like when I got to the race, it wasn't like a big shock. It was just kind of natural to, to flow into it yeah interesting yeah there's quite a crew of you in the blueprint athlete development group right yeah yeah there's a he's got a good crew of people and um i'm i'm super stoked on it and uh a bunch of my buddies are in it so it's just kind of it's you go out for a ride with your buddies and you have a coach there filming you and looking back on stuff and it's it's super sweet i i really enjoy it and i've been been in that crew for for a handful of years now yeah and the, like quite a lot of taking it back to basics as well. I've seen like cone drill type work and all sorts of stuff that's not even like on a trail. Yeah. 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 We, we put like, uh, we're kind of made fun of a lot for putting cones down on the road and, and always taking it back to basics. And um, for me, every like kind of coming into the season, like early on in the off season, I need to do that because I'm, I want to go skiing and I want to do other sports and then, when I jump on my bike, sometimes it feels pretty foreign. So always kind of bringing it back to those has really helped me. But uh, yeah, it's it's not for everyone for sure, but I really enjoy it. And 
yeah, I find it helps me quite a bit. Awesome. We've, we've talked a little bit about like some of the challenges, like the mental side of things. What about strengths? What would you say are your like personal strengths? Uh, personal strengths for me, like focusing so much on riding technique and the like kind of the, the key things that we look for in doing cones. Like I think that I have kind of, that's one of my strengths is like those, those cone drills and doing that sort of stuff. Um, and then fitness is a big one for me. Like I'm coming from cross country skiing and cross country mountain biking. Like I've always been a pretty fit, fit guy. So I think those have been two of my, two of my strengths for sure. Yeah. How do you stay motivated on the fitness side of things? Cause it's kind of hard to like graft all year long, year after year, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's super, super difficult. Um, for me, it's, it's honestly like having people that I, I look up to that I was like, Hey, I want to, I want to be at this level. I want to beat these guys. Like this is, this is where I want to be. So it's a, it's definitely a competition focus. Um, It gets, it has gotten tiring before it gets tiring, but it's definitely like, these are guys I want to be able to, I want to be able to match and I want to be at that level. And this is what I need to do to, to get there. And yeah, it's for me, it's a competition focus for sure. Yeah. Do you think there's anything that you kind of put into your training that's much different from anyone else? Like, have you found things that work for you personally? Um, for me, like I need to believe in my training 100%. And like, if my, cause that just helps my, my mind be right. So if I don't believe that I'm doing the most I possibly can, I get super stressed out. Um, and that's not super great. Cause definitely at times I'll be, doing way more than I should do. Um, but like going to the gym, I was like, it was a big gym focus for me the past couple of years. Cause I was a skinny guy and it was like, your strength is pretty good. Everything's pretty good. But like, if you hit the deck, like you're breaking. So it was like, we need to put some muscle mass on you so that if you hit the deck, like it's inevitable in mountain biking that when you crash, you like you're crashing hard a lot of the time. So, it yeah. was yeah put some muscle mass on this this boy turn him into a man and and then kick him off to the races so it was a lot of it was a lot of uh gym focused stuff for me yeah so i guess your trust with the person that's programming your training must have to be pretty strong here yeah it's for sure like i definitely need to trust joel and um and then like at the same time like i'll go off and do kind of things that like i just need to clear my head so i'll go out for a ride or i'll go to the gym and do some stuff that I feel I need to work on kind of selfishly. Um, but yeah, like trust, trust on both, both ends for sure. Yeah. Interesting. So how did you feel then coming into 2022? You'd, you'd got through that injury. You'd had some really good results through the back end of the season. Um, but it's the step up into elite, which is often challenging. Like how are you feeling coming into the start of that year? Yeah. Well, the start of that year was, was pretty stressful. Like i found a team that I really enjoyed being on and was super happy to be a part of. Um, they decided to go a different direction and that was totally fine. That's no here nor there, but uh, yeah, we are one contacted me after I was kind of frantically looking to build my own program um, to get me over to the races and keep doing that. And they're like, Hey, we have this, this program. It's going to be pretty grassroots. Like we'll, get you everything you need. We'll have a mechanic. And I was like, that's not grassroots. Like that's, that's sick. So, uh, jump on that opportunity with like 
the other dudes on the team are people that I've grown up with, like, and raced with for years. Like, everyone, the team manager was one of my, like, if you go to, like, Roots and Rain, we, like, we did that a lot growing up. And it was Jacob Took as, like, a nemesis. And he was my, <laughs> my manager. And, yeah, it was just, like, it was not so much of, like, a, hey, you got to get used to these people. It was, like, you know, like, we all have inside jokes from, like, five years ago like yeah it's it was it was really it was really fun but yeah coming into that year it was it was super stressful with the jump up to elite and my expectations weren't super high i was really hoping for like kind of a top top 50 top 40 overall and then like i really wanted to crack into that top 30 at least for one race um and so that was kind of what was motivating me is is setting those goals early on and kind of sticking sticking to that but yeah, yeah. and how was the bike feeling before the season kicked off because you were on the arrival in the 170 setup i think i've heard good things were you getting on well with it at the start of the season yeah yeah so uh i was on the arrival 150 like kind of just get me on the bike get me get me feeling it out and and then we went to the one 170 link and uh that company super cool like they're pretty local in Kamloops and the team was all staying in Squamish and lived in Squamish. So they drove a bunch of fresh 170s down, fresh frames, like kind of get used to this stuff now. So they drove everything down from Kamloops to Squamish and set us all up here. And then we did like a bunch of shuttles trying to tune tune our stuff in. Um, and I was getting along well with that bike. I mean, I was kind of jumping between sizes and the XL, which I ended up racing, felt really big at the time. Um, and it was just like, again, like kind of in my own head, like picking and pulling and trying to figure out where I could, what was going on with the bike and what was going on here and that and putting on a bunch of new suspension and stuff. But we had the, the designer of the bike, Vlad, who's a character. We had him come to the, to the, uh, team camp, let's call it. And kind of like sat us down with the computer and, the the platform i don't know what it was but showed like how the suspension moved everything so he really helped us get it all dialed in and yeah after after that i was kind of like get used to the bike get off to the races and giddy up awesome yeah and we started the season in the tweed valley uh and it didn't take long for the results to start flowing i think you took 10th on stage two which i think got neutralized later in the day because of casper's crash and then eighth on stage three which is a hell of a stage and 21st overall. So you've already ticked off your top 30 that you might get at some point in the season in the first round. Like, was that a big shock to you? Like, how are you, how are you feeling on that weekend? Uh, yeah. Like I raced tweed the year before in the like soaking wet, greasy mud. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I like, I love the trails and it was super fun. So kind of coming, going to like a familiar place um was super nice and then like yeah just i had on the pro stage i had a a good good crash and like smoked a tree with my bar got chucked and then came down and i was like oh like looking at split times and that like it's not too bad like i'm kind of in there and my mechanic was like hey like just sim simmer like yeah that was a great stage but like yeah, you, you crashed, man. I'm like, yeah, like, yeah, but 
there's some good, like, so I, I wasn't pushing. I wasn't out of my comfort zone. I was riding within myself. Um, and then you know, I was just having a blast, like riding familiar trails. And, and then, yeah, the following day, like a couple more crashes. And, but I was just like, like people talk about that, that flow state. And that was like the first time on the arrival that I was like, Oh, like this is, this is every, everything's clicking and it feels, feels really good. So yeah, that was, that was an eye opener that, and I wasn't expecting it at all, but it was, it was pretty cool. I was, I was very happy with that. Besides the fact that Casper, one of my good buddies and training partners, like had a huge and came back to the pits and was just like, people were talking about who it was and you find out and you're like, Oh God damn. But yeah, it was, it was a, it was a good day. But then at the same time, it was kind of like, results were put aside because you like you got to make sure your buddy's okay for sure yeah and luckily luckily he was not the not the nicest of crashes but survived that one um so i guess yeah feeling pretty confident walking away from tweed valley and and heading to petson and it looks like you took that confidence and turned the heat up a bit because you took fourth in the pro stage behind arguably the top three guys in the sport at the moment jesse richie and jack that must have been an incredible feeling, right? Over a 13 minute stage. Dude, I was so scared after that stage. I was <laughs> like, there's coming, coming into the next day, this, uh, the photographer that we had, who's like still, I think he was in grade 10 at the time in Kamloops or grade 11. Um, he took a picture of me with Richie, Jesse and Jack. And I'm like, Oh my God. I like, I don't belong up here. Like, like Richie's dropping behind me. Like I am absolutely, like, I'm so scared right now, but, uh, no, it was, it was super cool. And like that stage, I was just having a blast, super fun. Um, and just like still making some, some little mistakes that I could have cleaned up, but like just so like so fun. And I was just pinned, I guess, like didn't, came down to the bottom and wasn't expecting much like again maybe that top 20 kind of kind of range and my time kept holding and holding and holding i was like well like this is this is looking pretty pretty good so yeah that that was mind-boggling it was it was pretty wild yeah an 11th overall finish from that weekend so you've gone from a target of being around the top 40 50 and maybe cracking the top 30 to demolishing that and nearly hitting the top 10 in the first two rounds. Like, how do you deal with that? Do you go away and change your goals? Is it easy to get kind of carried away with it? Um, so Dustin, the owner of we are one, I've had, I had a good chat with him that weekend and, um, you know, it was all just like, I'm there, I'm riding my bike. I'm riding my bike at a good pace and a good speed. Like you don't need to change anything. Like, you're having fun. Um, it's just ride, like simply kind of just ride your bike, have fun. Um, and on my bike, I wrote, or my mechanic wrote in gold Sharpie fun, fun is fast. And so like, if I ever looked down at the, at the top tube, it was, it was there. And, um, yeah, just kind of like those mental, mental reminders. And then the last stage of that weekend, uh, I don't check the results when I'm, when I'm racing, it's just kind of like, I don't really need to know where I'm going to be like the day, the days of the day and where you're sitting is where you're at. Um, 
or just like I, if I check, sometimes I'll make stupid mistakes. Um, dropped into the last stage and right out of the gate, like snapped my snapped my chain, and I was like stressing because Richie was dropping behind me, and I had no chain on this 13 minute stage. Um, and so like I kept like looking up the hill, and I heard cheering behind me, and yeah, just like a couple crashes, broken chain. So like 11th, I was like really happy with 11th, but it kind of ended on like a sour a sour note there just with the last stage. So it was like, yeah, like I'm, I'm looking really good and super stoked. And then, but like, I, I pick apart everything of my riding and of the day. So like I focus on the negatives too much, I think. So mm-hmm. like everyone in my team was super fired up. But for me, it was like, Oh, well I broke my chain. Like what did I do wrong? What, why did I crash kind of thing? Yeah, it definitely was like coming into the or like after that it was hey like you know you can be up there like shit happens and get like get going again kind of thing forget yeah. about it well you, did you put more pressure on yourself coming into Val de Faso then to sort of right the wrongs that you that you felt you'd made in in Petson and get a, an even better result uh yeah there was I definitely put more pressure on myself in Val de Faso for sure like it's a, it's a place that people like, I haven't ever been there, but I know they race it, um, previously. Um, and yeah, I, I definitely, after that race, I was like, I want, I want to be out there. Like, I know I can, like, I just came off an absolute burner and I want to be up there. But at the same time, it was like, we've been away for quite a while and like traveling around. It was, I was tired. Everyone was kind of tired, but I wanted yeah, I wanted to be up there, and but I just don't think that I was I was ready to to keep on for that length of time. Yeah. So how how did Valdefassa pan out then? Like thirtieth place, probably not where you wanted to be at the start of the season. I'm sure you'd have been super excited with that result, but I'm guessing you probably weren't. Yeah, I was not not very happy with that result. Um, but then again, I had a, like I got a text from. Dustin and he was like hey you know what at the start of the year if this was the very first race you would have been stoked so I was like yeah you like bring it back get out of the moment for a second look back on it like yeah I would have been super hyped with that and it's it's it wasn't my best performance but at the same time like made some mistakes corrected those mistakes and like forget about it move forward kind of thing yeah and we moved from there to Whistler which uh, ended up in a ninth place, three top 10 stage results. And I guess people could say it's a home race, which gives potentially some advantage, but it's a home race for a lot of very good riders in EWS. So I'm not sure there's much in that. It must have felt super good, though, to perform at that level so close to home. Yeah, yeah, for sure. At Whistler, like, you can you can have friends and family and a bunch of people there. So, like, it's, it's super cool because it's, like, kind of the one race a year usually where you can like have friends and family there. Um, but at the same time, like Whistler's our home race, but you have all these Europeans and everyone else coming over three weeks early to Whistler and yeah. getting used to the trails, getting used to everything. So like we've just got back from racing and taken a week off and relaxed. And then, then you have everyone else coming over. So they're riding everything at the same time so it's a home race for sure but there's there's not much of a advantage i don't think other than like you're in canada 
and those trails might be familiar. Happy with that performance then? First time breaking inside the top 10. It must have felt pretty special to do yeah, that. Yeah, I was, I was pretty happy for a top 10. Um, at the same time, like there's people that were in front of me that I really wanted to beat, so I kind of got stuck up on that across the finish line um, and just made made some mistakes that were silly mistakes, like just like you call them like a junior mistake, like just being a grom. Um, but yeah, I was super happy looking back on it. I was, I was really happy with that ninth place and to kind of crack into the, the top 10 there. And then like I had buddies of mine that I've grown up racing with as well from Canada that did really, really well there. So it wasn't kind of like a, uh, yeah, I'm super stoked on, on ninth place. It was like, damn, like our crew just killed it today. Like, let's go boys. Like that was sweet. So it was, it was more special to kind of have everyone do really well there or a bunch of people do really well there and rather than kind of just focusing on my my position yeah yeah and then we went from there to two other uh north american rounds burke was next and you backed it up with potentially an even more consistent performance so four top 10 stages um ninth place overall that weekend and definitely not a home race so there's like no excuses from anyone in that one how was that? Uh, yeah, that was super fun. Like kind of a, I've never been to that part of the States before. Um, but it was, yeah, it was a sweet place. I didn't expect there to be that kind of riding, but it was, I, I really enjoyed it. It was super fun. Um, and yeah, just kind of like having fun, keeping the mind, mind at ease and just like riding, riding your bike. That was, that was, that's been the motto of the year for me. And yeah, like was i don't check the results but my mechanic came into the pits and my mechanic was stoked so i was like okay like i'm i'm doing pretty well here and uh let's just kind of keep it going have some more fun and yeah it turned out yeah. turned out to work out in my favor it did what was the like the response like from like the people around you the, the other athletes the media as well cuz i think like people probably weren't expecting the performances that we saw from you in 2022, I think it's fair to say, like, I think you caught a few people sleeping. Uh, what, what was the response like as the season built and you kind of kept demonstrating that, you know, this, the Petson thing wasn't a fluke. Yeah. Um, I, I didn't think about it too much. It was kind of like, okay, like as the, as the season went on, it was like, Oh, like I'm supposed to be up here. Like I'm, I'm talking and I'm riding beside my, like the idols of the sport like this is this is crazy and i'm not only talking to them but i'm competing with them so yeah it was it was sweet for sure like but i don't know it just kind of felt natural and then yeah i wasn't expecting to be up there too so i was kind of everywhere like with everyone else like whoa this is this is crazy and um like a, a dark horse kind of thing but i was yeah I, I didn't expect it. No one else expected it. So we were all kind of in the same boat there. And do people start, like the team start coming to you at some point in the season? And like, did, did it turn people's heads and, and people come your way to start talking about opportunities? Uh, not, not so much. Like not, not a ton. I expected, I expected more um, just being so hyped up and like it being super kind of, if you have like a great, 
great results and like people come knocking. Um, but for me, I wasn't focused on that as much. Like I was really, really happy with where I was and kind of, I wasn't searching, looking out for any of that. It was just like, Hey, let's get through the year. Let's, let's, uh, let's perform. And we can focus on that when, when like the deed's done, when the racing's over kind of thing. So yeah, I didn't, I didn't really get hit up too many times. Um, but it was more like just being known in the paddock and in the pits and stuff like, Oh, that's Jack. Like that's just not just like, Oh, there's that Grom. It's like, Oh yeah. Like sweet. Like I, I know these dudes that can go over and give them a fist bump kind of thing. So yeah, that was pretty cool. Yeah, definitely, man. So we went, we went on from there to Sugarloaf. That one didn't quite go your way. Eh? No, no, that one sucked. Um, I, I crashed out. Um, first stage of the second day i posted the pov of the pro stage i took a took a big slam on the pro stage and then the second one i was like okay like we got to make up some time here and just slipped out on a rock and or on like this weird off camera section and put my elbow into into a rock and jumped up and i was like oh i just broke my elbow like this is not not great and got down to the bottom just cruised, like couldn't hold on to my bars. And I like look at my sleeve and I'm like, oh no, like it's covered in blood. Like something is wrong. And I was riding with Innes at the time. So I was like, I sh- like I couldn't see it because it was on my elbow. And I like lifted my arm and showed Innes. And he's like, oh dude, like you need to go get like go now, like get that checked out. And I was like, sweet. So I went to the medical tent. And she's like, oh, like this sweet old lady was like, yeah, like that's not very good. I'm like, yeah, I, I, I know. So it had ended up having to like drive an hour, hour and a half to the hospital, get it stitched up. And yeah, that was, yeah, I was not in a, not in a good place for that. Cause that was my, my trophy of nation spot gone. Yeah. That was, it was not, not, not my day. Oh man. Yeah. That's a shame. eh? Was there much like lasting damage from that? Did it take much to recover from? Uh, I got, it got pretty infected actually. Um, like the next day. So we had to go to the hospital in Canada, uh, the following day on Monday and get like on some pretty crazy antibiotics. Cause it, I got super infected. Um, but no, no lasting effects after like a, a week or two kind of thing. Yeah. Fair enough. And then back to uh, Europe for the last few rounds of the series. So Crowns Montana, 24th, Ludenvier, 18th. How were those two from your perspective to finish the season out? Yeah. Um, again, like looking, picking it apart and looking at stage results, like some things I can work on, some things that I did really well. But I I was pretty happy with where, where those ones were. Um, and I did want to be kind of cracking more into that top 10, but I was really stoked kind of ending the season long season. Like I was happy with where I was and, and what was all happening. So yeah, Ludenville was sweet. Crans was sweet. Couple of really highs, not like, yeah, just, just happy with where, where everything ended up in those two as well. Yeah. 16th in the overall for the season. I can't imagine you'd even kind of contemplated that going into the year, really. First year in Elite, that's pretty special. 
yeah, it, I was, I, like I said, I was hoping for like a top 50 overall. And that's what like people above me were kind of saying like, Hey, like you should be happy if you're, if you're sitting here this year in the overall, but yeah, it was, it was sweet. I was super happy. So like 16th and then not finishing a race, like room to improve. I was, I was pretty happy. Yeah. So you, like you say, you're pretty critical and analytical. Like how do you look back at 22 and decide what you need to do personally to get ready for 23? Um, I just, yeah, kind of like kept some notes of, of what I needed to do and, uh, chatted with my coach and it's like, Hey, like these, this is where I kind of feel like I fell short. And this is, this is what I think we need to work on. And he's been with me for long enough that he's like, yeah, like he knows my strengths and my weaknesses. So it was like, Hey, this is, we need to focus on this now. Like you have this kind of dialed, like we can go on to this now. So it's just a lot of, a lot of racecraft, I think. And, um, fine fine tuning getting getting into like the finer details of things now and and just yeah like not making not making little like grand mistakes or rookie mistakes and just kind of ironing out the process when you say racecraft what sort of stuff do you mean like are we talking pacing within stages or like how are you thinking about it yeah like pacing within stages and then like breaking down sections of trail so like instead of just like hooning into this this rock garden at a hundred, hundred miles an hour, like, okay, there's a breaking point here, let off the brakes here. And then just experience with different terrain. Like I know Richie and Jesse and those guys have been, have been racing for years. Like, like when I started racing, they were, they were already at the top and or making their way to the top. So it's just kind of that, that experience that we're, we're working on now and trying to develop that. And do you think it's possible to catch up and close those sort of gaps with enough focused effort? I, I, I mean, I hope so. <laughs> like, I guess we'll see. Um, it's, I think that there's, I think you can get around the experience with breaking stuff down and breaking it back to basics and then really focusing on kind of how you need to, how you need to hit a certain corner or what you need to do here and, really focusing on kind of the basics of the trail versus the, the bigger picture of things um, and get like really focus on yourself and, and having fun. Like if you're not having fun, you're not going to be riding well, you're going to be riding stiff and feel like, yeah, if you're fun, you're riding fast, you're breaking stuff down, you're hitting everything well, like you can, you can make up time in a lot of the places and make up some years for sure. Yeah. Very true. So in the end then were there a few offers on the table for for 23 because you've you've had you've got a team move that we should definitely talk about we did you have that luxurious position of having a few areas to choose from was there one obvious one for you how did it how did it work out yeah so i definitely had some some options coming into coming into the, this year and it was i really wanted to stay with we are one the bike was awesome everything was sweet but they're a very small company still, so they could not afford to have a team of that size again. Um, and Dustin, the owner, was super helpful, kind of like tell he's he raced World Cup downhill, so he was kind of helping me, um, giving me some advice. Um, but yeah, there's some some options on the table for sure, and um, 
I really like to try and take things that aren't aren't proven and try and try and build that up. Um, so yeah, it kind of seemed like for me, the team move to to Polygon was was the one for me. And um, Martin Martin Whiteley or Willie is is uh, helping with that. So yeah, kind of getting behind a big name of the sport and and yeah, that was it was a big confidence boost to kind of go with something someone with like a name like that and yeah get ready for the the oncoming season yeah how's it been so far like where are you at in kind of preparation and getting involved with the team like have there been team camps or is that all still to come yeah that's for us that's all still to come um but yeah kind of getting getting sizing and stuff sorted for the bikes and um getting on getting on new stuff uh and just trying to trying to figure out the bikes mostly for me is is the biggest thing um yeah like we haven't had any team camps our first team camp is going to be in australia kind of meet the team and meet everyone but yeah none of that none of that's happened yet so it's just train train as hard as you can and get used to the bike really how do you approach getting a new bike set up have you got like a process that you go through or somewhere that you go ride it like how do you get get it ready for the season yeah um it's like you try and you try and like emulate as much as you can with what hat like the trails in Europe and tight tight janky stuff and and some faster bits, but uh yeah, and then ride it on familiar trails. So set up so I tried to set up my suspension similar to what I was running. Um and then just like yeah, match 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 as many numbers as I could to make it feel similar. And then mm-hmm. just put the bike through its paces, I guess, really, and ride some downhill, ride some enduro, ride a bunch of stuff, get up to speed, slow it down. I don't know, like, just just ride the bike, really. Hope then try and feel good on it. Yeah. Do you ever go as far as, like, doing back-to-back with your old bike and the new bike and putting time into all of that? Or are you just kind of going with the feel and, and getting used to the new bike? Yeah, I didn't, I didn't go back-to-back. Um, I know some people do, but for me, that's just too much crossover. Um, I know what the bike I was riding before felt like. So just, yeah, just going off of 100% feel really. Yeah. Good stuff. So next step is, uh, flying down to Australia then for team camp and I guess like straight into the first round, right? We're down there for the first couple of rounds this year and it's an early start. Yeah. Yeah, it is for for Canada, man. It's so early. Like we're still, I guess, prime skiing right now. So it's super early for us. But uh, yeah, it should be it should be super fun. Like the trails down there, like rad. So I'm I'm pumped to get down there and and race. I mean, it's coming up quick, and yeah, it's it's a little nerve wracking for sure. Coming off of a good coming off a good year, but I think it'll be a blast. I'm super excited. Nice one. Well, we're getting uh, close to the end of our time, but we'll wrap up with our final four questions. The first of those is if our listeners had 150 pounds or about 250 Canadian dollars to spend to improve their performance on a bike, what would you recommend they go and spend it on? Oh, 250 bucks. Um, for me, it would be like getting into a gym with some, with some good equipment and then buying a, find a set of cones like you can lay cones down everywhere and yeah cones cones and some gym work is what i'd i'd try and spend that on i think 
All right. I think you're the first person to answer cones to that. I like it. Uh, second question, <laughs> if you could wind back the clock and sit down with yourself age 16, what advice would you give him? Um, just, yeah, 16. I, I don't even know what I was doing at 16. Um, just, yeah, trust the process. Like, believe in what you're doing and, and have fun. Like, for me, I get stressed out, so really fun fun is the key factor and my dad's always said if, if you're not having fun there's no point in doing it find something fun we'll like we'll go completely opposite direction if you're not having fun so just have have as much fun as you can good advice i like that one next up if you could have a coaching session with anyone past or present who would it be and what would you want to learn from them um oh anyone i like i don't know i think I've heard a lot of people say Sam Hill on this podcast, but yeah, Sam, Sam would be sick. Like he's got a dope riding style and being able to hit corners like that would be, man, give me a master class on that one, please. And thank you. <laughs> yeah. Sign me up. If you ever get that one loaded, I'm coming with you. All right. Last All one. Right. <laughs> Is there anything you do every day that you feel benefits you? Um, I think this year like really trying to have a routine and get up and do the same thing every morning so like for me i get up and i'll go and i'll go and do some skips like just jump rope outside and start my day like that i try and do that as much as i can um just getting out of bed getting off my phone it's i'm struggling with it but yeah that for me that's what i'm having a routine and that that's my routine to kind of get going sounds good man well it's been super interesting finding out about this early part of your career, still a lot ahead of you. I'm excited to see how it goes for you this year and into the future, man. If people want to follow you throughout the season, where's the best place or places for them to look? Um, yeah, so for for us, it's probably uh, under the Polygon Factory race or Polygon Factory team. Um, mm -hmm. And then for personal, it's just Jack Menzies double underscore on Instagram. Um, that's, that's where awesome. I do all of my of my promoting yeah good stuff all right man well i'll stick links to both of those in the show notes people can find them but yeah best of luck for 2023 and uh, we'll see you at the races yeah sounds good thank you very much really appreciate it all right that's it for this episode with jack i really hope you've enjoyed it thanks to we are one composites for supporting this episode if you want 15 percent off any of their awesome wheel sets or their depackaged bar and stem, then as a downtime listener, you can use the code DOWNTIMEFEBRUARY2023 at the checkout now over on wheel1composites.com. That's downtime with a capital D, February with a capital F, followed by the number 2023 over at wheel1composites.com. Don't forget the code must be entered at the very final stage of the checkout process on the confirm order page to work. Also, thanks to Canyon Bikes. If you want to get yourself a new rig for the upcoming season of riding, then go and check out the trail sale on canyon.com. There's discounts across a load of Canyon's mountain bike and e-mountain bike range, and downtime listeners can save even more by getting free bike guard packaging on any trail sale purchase. Just use the code the-trail-sale-2023 at the checkout. That's the-trail-sale-2023, all lowercase, over at canyon.com. Terms and conditions apply and you'll find those in the show notes for this episode over on downtimepodcast.com. There's a lot more awesome content coming your way over the course of 2023, so make sure you're following the podcast by hitting that button in your podcast app or head into downtimepodcast.com forward slash follow. 
You can also get a bit of extra downtime by signing up to the newsletter at downtimepodcast.com forward slash newsletter. If you want to support the podcast, you can do that by telling your friends about the show, sharing the podcast on your social media, grabbing yourself some merch at downtimepodcast.com forward slash shop, subscribing to our biannual mountain bike journal, Downtime EP at downtimepodcast.com forward slash EP, or by leaving us a review over on Apple Podcasts. That's it for today. We're going to have another awesome episode coming up really soon. But until next time, get out and ride.